Thank you so much for joining us for this week's podcast of the Sunday morning sermons of the Bullard Church of Christ in Bullard, Texas. We hope you'll be blessed, challenged, and encouraged by today's lesson. Amen. Good morning, everybody. It's so great to see you all and be here together to worship God and fellowship with one another. And didn't Brother Jacob Stripling do a wonderful job leading us in worship this morning? We thank you for serving, and uh, he is a senior. We only have him for a little bit longer, sadly, but uh, we're so proud of him, as well as all of our youth, and we want to always encourage our youth and involve them in every way possible. We're so very thankful for our new member and new Christian day, the first one of, uh, of many in the future that we had today that began in our Bible class time this morning, and we appreciate everybody that was here as well as those who uh, participated in the class, and uh, we'll fo- followed by uh, worship today. We're going to have a fellowship lunch. We invited e- each and every one of you to stay and eat with us and fellowship, and if there's somebody you hadn't met yet, one of our newer folks, this is a great time to meet them, so we want to encourage you to stay and be a part of that. And we want each and every one of you to know that we're blessed to have you here, that you're a blessing to this congregation, and God has brought you here uh, for a purpose and for a reason. And we're so thankful for the work that God uh, is doing here, and we're excited about the work that God has been doing and will continue to do. In our passage in Mark today, uh, we find in the beginning of chapter 6 of Mark, Let me give you a little bit of context. Last week we left uh, looking at Jesus. He's healed a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. He's raised Jairus' daughter who was 12 years old. He raised her from the dead. And right after this, he leaves and goes to his hometown of Nazareth. And we're in verses 1 through 6 of chapter uh, 6. I'll give you a little context as we get to the main passage for this morning. And it's on the Sabbath, he's in Nazareth, and as Jesus always did, as you know, he went to the synagogue and he would teach from the Word of God, right? He would unroll the scroll and he would read and he would teach. And look at verses 2 and 3. Mark tells us that many of the people were astonished at what Jesus taught. And they said things like, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? You see, usually the word astonished means something positive. But here it doesn't mean anything positive. It's used in a negative way. That word can mean uh, uh, to be amazed. It can mean to be struck with panic and left at a loss. And that's how they felt in his hometown when Jesus was teaching. Because they're saying, who does he think he is? We know this guy. He grew up here. He's nothing special. Who is he? to be teaching like that? Who is he to do those miracles? Who is he to have this kind of knowledge? They were in a state of astonished panic. They were left at a loss as what to do with Jesus and the things he was saying and doing. And the Bible says they took offense 
at him. You know, it might be that because they knew how he was born, they knew his origin story, and, and, and they only knew the earthly part of it, and that his parents were not yet married before he was born, and yet he uh, was born from God and not his father Joseph. But they didn't understand that, and that was not good in their culture. He was considered by many an illegitimate child. And perhaps they looked down on him, and he was just a carpenter, and nothing good comes out of our town. Who does this guy think he is? Rising up above us. He thinks he's somebody now, like he's made it now, and he's come back to let us know how awesome he is. And they took offense at Jesus. But look at verse 6. They were astonished at his teachings and miracles, and he marveled at their unbelief. Isn't that interesting? It's like he was astonished at their extreme unbelief. They wouldn't even listen to him. They didn't want to hear anything he had to say. So he left and verses 7 through 13 of chapter 6 in Mark tell us, Jesus went out in the villages around Nazareth and was teaching and healing. In verses 14 through 29 of Mark 6, we see the story of John the Baptist. It's, it's uh, the story of we, we catch up with him. He's been imprisoned. And we find out that uh, we read the story of how he became, came to be put to death. It was a horrible, evil, wicked thing that was done to him. And they killed John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin. The, the one who was there to prepare the way for Jesus, the, his first follower, his first one to believe in him and, and do the work of the Lord and make ready the paths for Jesus to come and people to listen. And he's been in prison. And then they put him to death in a cruel, horrible way. And you know, Jesus hears about this, and, and, and yes, he's 100% God, but he's 100% human too. He's the son of man, and that's his cousin who gave his life for him, who devoted his life to serve him, and he hears what's happened to him. He's already been in prison, and that was bad enough, and now they've killed him. Can you imagine? His hometown has rejected him. They, they didn't want to hear anything that he said, that he was nobody and nothing to them. And then his cousin, close to him, special to him, is put to death. Can you even begin to imagine what Jesus might be feeling, the load he might be carrying at this time? And then we read in verses 30 through 32, uh, well, 14 through 29, uh, Jesus, 7 through 13, sorry, I skipped ahead. Jesus has sent out his apostles, his 12 apostles. He sent them out on really some short uh, uh, short-term mission trips. They've gone out in the, the local, kind of the local area, and they've been preaching and teaching. He's given them authority to do his work, to teach and to heal and to, 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 to uh, uh, cast out demons. And then he hears about John the Baptist, and then they come back. All of these things are happening to Jesus almost all at once. They come back in verses 30 through 32, and we read about they get time with Jesus and they tell Jesus everything that they experienced, what they taught, what it was like, what happened, all of those stories from the 12 apostles. And Jesus, knowing them and knowing their need and knowing what they've been through and knowing his need and what he's going through, he says, let's get in a boat. 
We need some peace and quiet. We haven't eaten a decent meal in days and weeks. We need some rest. Let's get away to pray and rejuvenate. And so they get in a boat. But what we find is the people see them in the boat, right? The Sea of Galilee wasn't very big. And so the people see them getting in the boat. They see them out on the water. And people start, more people start hearing about it. And they, if, the, if there's no winds blowing, they can run and get to where the boat's going faster than the boat can get there. And that's what happens. The crowd grows. And you can imagine they, people, as the crowd comes, they see what's happening. They hear it's Jesus. And they just the crowd continues to grow. And they get out to the other side where Jesus' boat is coming to land. What do you think Jesus and his apostles are thinking as they get near the shore? They see the crowd there. And you can only imagine the apostles are thinking, can I get a break? Can't I get some peace and quiet and rest and a good meal? Can't we just have a little bit of time? And as soon as Jesus steps on the shore in verse 33, he sees the crowd. And then we see in verse 44, Mark tells us what Peter saw. Peter is in the boat with him. And Mark is Peter's account of the gospel of Jesus. And Peter saw Jesus when he's probably with the other disciples thinking, oh man, more people, more crowd. I'm an introvert. I need to unplug for a little while. I need some food. I need to kick back and take a nap. And he watches Jesus get off the boat where the crowd is. There's not even room for him to get his feet out of the water. And the crowd's right there. And Peter... Peter says that Jesus saw them and had compassion on them. He saw the crowd who had run all the way there, who was there desperately wanting to hear more of what Jesus had to say and probably wanting to be healed as well. And Jesus looks at them and has compassion on them. Verse 34, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Can you imagine that scene? Even Jesus himself needing a break, needing some food to eat, needing some rest. Uh, Jesus uh, always took time to pray and time to be alone. He needed that time. He's not saying you never need that time. But when the people were there and it seemed like the crowd was always there, he had compassion on them. And what did he do? Peter is sitting there watching Jesus get out of the boat, show compassion on the people, And Mark says, he began to teach them many things. He began to teach them many things. He didn't get a break. He didn't get a drink of water. He had to start teaching them right there. And taught them for a long period of time. We don't exactly know how long he taught. But the point is that we see that Mark shows us the Son of God, our Savior, that His compassion never clocked out. He never went over to the the time clock. That's an old-fashioned one, I know. But He went over to the time clock, pulled out His time card. He never punched it in and said, Sorry, y'all, I'm off the clock now. Or I'm on break, be back in 15 minutes. Or I'm going to take me a long lunch. Jesus never said, I'm sorry, my shift is over. Come back tomorrow when I'm back. Jesus never did that. He saw their compassion. And in in His uh, uh, humanity, uh, in in His uh, frailty as a human as well, 
He needed break and rest and all of that and food. He needed that. He needed peace and quiet. He needed to pray. But he never stopped being compassionate towards people. Aren't you glad Jesus doesn't clock out? Aren't you glad Jesus doesn't have a big uh, time clock up in heaven where you need him and you're knocking on the door with your prayer and you're, you're in desperate need to talk and you need Jesus' help in your life, his guidance. You're trying to read his word. You're trying to change your life. You're trying to be more faithful. You're trying to turn some things around in your life. And Jesus says, I'm sorry, I'm on break. I'm listening to music now. I'm resting. I'm taking a nap. Let me finish my meal. Come back when I'm not so busy. Aren't you glad Jesus never clocks out on you? He's never once left you alone. Maybe you felt that way, but he's always been there. Jesus never stops listening to you. He never stops caring about you. He never stops knowing exactly what you're feeling, what you're thinking, what you worry about, what you're afraid of, your doubt, everything you're dealing with. He knows the weight you're carrying. And look at the weight he was carrying. And yet he stops and he continues to give compassion to the people and teach his words of good news. Now look at verses 35 through 37. Mark tells us about this interesting interaction between Jesus and the disciples. Verse 35 says, And when it grew late, it's not dark yet. We see later in the chapter it's, it's already dark when Jesus walks on water again, but it's getting late. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place. And the hour is late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. Verse 37. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? The disciples at first seemed to be showing some concern, appropriate concern, for the well-being of the people there. I mean, after all, isn't that being sensitive? Hey, hey, we've been here a while. The sun is kind of hot. It's humid. Uh, you've been talking a long time. Uh, I know we need a break. Perhaps you do too, Jesus. And these people, let's let them go eat. And they're, they're ready to clock out. They're, they're, ready to, they're ready to call it a day and say, let's just set up camp and we'll continue in the morning bright and early. Let us get a good night's rest. That's not what Jesus did. In fact, he saw this as an opportunity to deepen their faith, to strengthen their faith. And that's exactly what he did. He says to them, you give them something to eat. Now think about it. They were in a desolate place. We don't know how far exactly it was to the nearest village, but there was no Chick-fil-A around. There was no... Domino's didn't deliver that far. They were outside of their delivery zones. There ain't no food coming. And it was going to take too, too long for them to get out to those villages. They've been there all day. They, would have, they haven't had food. And now you're going to send people of all ages, of all health conditions, wandering around to find food somewhere? See, Jesus was actually the one being more compassionate. And he knew what he was doing. But the disciples couldn't see it yet. The disciples didn't know exactly what Jesus was doing. And Jesus is, is, is saying without saying, I need you to grow in your faith. I need you to, to, to truly trust in me. Do you know who I am? 
is what he's asking. And he challenges them. And the disciples say, do you want us to buy food? In other words, with what money, Jesus? We don't have any, we don't have any money. In fact, 200 denarii, uh, I've seen different estimates, but uh, estimated to be about 200 days worth of uh, uh, wages. That's a lot of money to feed. It was more than 5,000 people. It was thousands of people. It, the Bible says it was 5,000 men. So there was many, many more people there to feed. And it would have taken an immense amount of money to buy food. And, and even if they had gone out into the, all of the villages and taken all the food, it wouldn't have been enough to feed all the people there. Jesus was testing their faith. Do you believe I'm the Son of God? Do you believe I am who I've been teaching you I am? Do you believe my words? You've seen all these miracles. He's, he, he's saying, you've heard everything I've taught. Is your faith in me or is it in something else? This was a critical point for the disciples. And sometimes you and I come to critical points in life where we don't see it. We can't figure it out. We don't know the answer. And the challenge is, are we going to deepen our faith and increase our trust in Jesus? Are we going to turn to other means? Are we going to trust ourselves? Are we just going to give up and say, well, it doesn't work anymore. This faith stuff, I've reached its limits. It doesn't work. And Jesus is saying, maybe the problem isn't with all the surrounding circumstances. Maybe the problem is with your faith. Maybe that's where the challenge is. And so Jesus teaches them another lesson. Look at verses 38 through 43. And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish... He looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and set before the, to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. Thousands of people ate off of these few items and were satisfied. Verse 43, and they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. See, out of his compassion for the crowd, he fed them first spiritually, didn't he? And then he saw their physical need and he fed them physically. Because Jesus' compassion isn't just about one thing, about your physical needs. And that's what we focus on mostly, isn't it? But Jesus wants us to focus primarily on our spiritual needs. He said, physical stuff, come on. I'm worried about your eternal life, but he cares for our spiritual needs as well as our physical needs. And he was calling the disciples to a deeper faith. In other words, he was telling them, put your calculators up. You're over here saying, well, Jesus, if we had this much money, if there was this many towns around and this many restaurants, and if maybe we can get a few more DoorDash drivers, maybe it'll work out, Jesus. I don't know. What do you think? He said, put your calculators up. That's not how you solve this problem. Put, get your faith out and put your calculators up. That's what we do, though, isn't it? We're trying to calculate it and figure out all the answers ourselves. And Jesus is saying, like he's been saying in these previous stories, he's saying, do you trust in me or do you not? I'm the Son of God. I'm the Savior. Do you not believe the words I'm teaching you? 
Jesus had sent them out on their mission trips. He had given them authority to teach His words. He had given them authority to heal, to cast out demons. They had just done all that stuff. And then they get to this scene and they can't figure out how this is going to be solved. And we think, yeah, they're pretty, you know, they're, they're pretty short-sighted. Yeah, they're, they're, they're hard-headed. And then we stop and realize, oh, we do the same thing, don't we? I did the same thing last week. I did the same thing yesterday. I've seen Jesus work in my life. I know His powerful words. I say I believe in Him. And then I'm faced with something new I haven't been faced with. Or I'm challenged in an area that's difficult for me. And my faith just flies out the window. And I forget all that Jesus has done for me. And I forget all of His teachings and His Word. And I forget my faith instead of putting my whole and complete Trust in Him. So what the disciples thought was impossible, Jesus saw as an opportunity to increase their faith, to show that He was, in fact, the Son of God. And look at what the Bible says in John 6, 14. John records the crowd's reaction when they saw all, everyone get fed, when they saw what Jesus did. John 6, 14 says, this, in, this is what the crowd said, this indeed is the prophet who is to come into the world. The people saw what Jesus did and they said, surely He's that prophet, that Messiah, the Savior we've been waiting for that the Old Testament talks about. And they believed in Him. And remember, that was the purpose of the miracles, as John tells us in chapter 20, that people might believe. You see, our faith should increase. Our faith in Jesus should increase our compassion for others. Our faith in Jesus and seeing Him work over and over in our lives should increase our compassion for others. Our compassion to feed them spiritually and our compassion to feed them physically. Brother Tom, I I didn't ask you and I hope you don't mind. I want to use you as an example because it's a beautiful, beautiful story. You see, sometimes we look at ourselves, we look at our lives, and we think, what what am I going to do? What what can I give? Maybe that's why God had that loving mama pack that little boy that lunch that day. Because mamas always take care of their babies, and she saw her son wanted to run and follow the crowd. Maybe he didn't even know what was going on. Maybe he heard the name Jesus, and he ran out the house, and she said, wait, honey. And she packed him a little bit of lunch to be out with the crowd. And it turns out that Jesus used mama's lunch, that little boy's lunch, and he multiplied it to feed everybody and to care for everyone. You see, you might not have very much in your mind, But when you give it in faith to Jesus, and I'm talking about you're you're willing to write cards, you call people, you serve in a ministry, you help in some way, you raise your hand and you say, what can I do? You show care for others. Your compassion doesn't clock out. God takes your little bit of compassion and He multiplies it. Ask Nicole Gillum. When, When Tom... what met with her at the doctor's office, was talking with her. He had been studying on his own. 
He had been studying the Bible and he knew there was something with baptism and forgiveness and, and all of this. And he was sincerely seeking God. He was as sincere as you can be. He had been studi- studying and wanted to know what it means to be a follower of Christ. And he just decided, I, I'm gonna, I got I gotta find somebody to baptize me. I gotta figure this out. And he asks Nicole on, on her job, Do you know where I can get baptized? And she takes out her fish and her bread, and she writes on a note card, Bullard Church of Christ, and the phone number. You see, that was just fish, little fish and bread to her. She was happy to do it. She did it with joy. She was glad to do it. But that, that doesn't seem like much. I mean, maybe he'll lose it. Maybe he'll never call. Maybe I'll never hear anything more about it. But Tom calls the church building. And we meet and we get to study with him. And now we have a brother in Christ on September 12th. Wasn't it, brother? His birthday was September 11th. He turned 70 years young. And on September 12th, he was born into the kingdom of God. Isn't that an amazing story? You see, God will take what little you have, what you think is little, and you have no idea what that card, what that phone call, what that hug, what that conversation, what that invitation, what that service in that ministry will do, and how that might help restore somebody or bring somebody to Christ. And we're so proud of all of our new Christians. We just are overjoyed in, in God because of you. We're so thankful for you, for what God is doing in your life. You see, the greatest act of compassion was God sending his son to bring this message of salvation into our lives. He cares about our physical lives, but the greatest compassion was to say, I don't want any of them to be lost. I let them choose for themselves, but I don't want any to be lost. I want them all in heaven with me, and I'm going to make a way for that to happen. I'm going to send my son to die on the cross for their sins, and if they put their faith in him, and they're united with him in baptism, and they surrender to him, then they'll have an eternal life in heaven with me. And that's God's greatest wish for all people because of his great compassion for us. And maybe that's where you're at in your life. You want to come in contact with that compassion of God. You want to be a Christian this morning. We're ready to help you do that this morning. Maybe you've lost your compassion for your faith, for others. Life has beaten you down and you just feel like, I need a break. And God said, you're going to have a break. I want you to rest, but I don't want you to ever clock out when it comes to compassion, being ready to serve and help others. And if that's you, we want to help you as well this morning. If we can serve you in any way, we invite you to come forward as we stand and sing. We thank you again for listening today. If we can answer any questions for you or serve you in some way, please reach out to us. You can find our contact information and more on our website at bullardchurchofchrist.com. If this lesson has helped you, please rate our podcast and share it so more people can hear the Word of God. And please, come visit as soon as you can. We meet on Sundays for class at 9 a.m., worship at 10 a.m., evening worship at 5, and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. God bless you.